It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody? And welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me today, if you're watching on video, it's pretty obvious. Um, it's Dan Harris of Fantasy Pros. Um, his backdrop kind of gave that one away, but um, he does quite a few things over there. We were just talking about all of his vast responsibilities, running the news deck, uh, being the host on quite a few podcasts and like running a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's very impressive. I'm a big fan of Fantasy Pros and everything that you guys do for the industry. Um, it's very impressive, very useful good information. I really like your tools over there. Couldn't really say enough good things about fantasy pros, but uh, why don't you tell me, because I know your story is pretty interesting, um, and this is a question I tend to ask new guests on the show. How did you even get into fantasy sports and like as a job? Yeah, so I, I was just kind of a big time fantasy player. You know, I, I loved sports. I loved sports my entire life. And I uh, was a lawyer. And in law school, I first got into fantasy sports with friends and it became kind of an obsession, both baseball and football. And I used to work this job with incredibly long hours. And then we moved to New Hampshire, my wife and I from New York City. And from there, I found myself with a little extra spare time. So I just started kind of writing on the side for fun just to sort of do it because I like to write and I love sports and I love fantasy sports. And it kind of just grew from there to the point where they eventually were just like, why don't you come join us and be the editor in chief of the company? I was not jonesing for a full-time job in fantasy, man. That wasn't my goal. I was a lawyer. I was very happy in my job, but the people I met at the company, I really loved. And the chance to be editor in chief of a whole company was pretty exciting. So really a very kind of bizarre path that I got here. But, you know, despite the fact that my first year, because I joined in February of last year, was a little atypical, you know, the whole pandemic shutting down sports and everything like that. But for the most part, it's been it's been a great change. But yeah, was not in the cards whatsoever. If you had told me that this is where I would have ended up a couple of years ago, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. And I find that very interesting because Quite a few people like do get into fantasy sports, like kind of by just doing it for fun and then being offered an opportunity or like seeking out an opportunity. Um, but you were like a lawyer. And usually if you're a lawyer, you stay a lawyer. So, um, yeah, I, I find your story pretty fascinating in that sense. Um, but yeah, you're you're definitely good at what you do. And I look forward to talking some baseball with you today. Um, so today. We are going to be, obviously, we've uh, played like three or four games, five sometimes depending on the team. Um, so we don't know too much, but there have been some pretty great performances. It's, at least for batters, it's too early to say we've had bad performances because like worst case scenario, you're like one for 16 or something. So the main takeaway right. I think that we can really analyze is bullpens because teams kind of have told us like or shown us i guess like what they think their uh like who they think their closer is how their bullpen uh has worked out because before the season like why would they why would the diamondbacks tell us like 
uh, Ginkle is our closer. Like that doesn't benefit them Ugh. in any way. Ugh. So they're going to keep it secret as long as they can. But now they kind of, uh, all of these teams have kind of showed their hand or the opposite. And we have no idea what they're doing. Um, so we'll talk about that. That That's going to be the main focus. We might hit on a couple batters that have been pretty interesting uh, so far this year. and see where we stand. Um, before we get into all of that, though, I think one of the most important things this season is the new baseball. So MLB said, like, hey, we have a new ball. It, I, I'm not sure if they deliberately said it, but it was assumed it was to cut down on home runs. And uh, uh, I'll just be honest here. I totally heard about this from the Fantasy Baseball Today over at CBS. Um, they cited an article from The Ringer that says the ball is juiced mm-hmm. even more based on research um, from spring training. So it does cut down on drag is the thing. So once you hit it, if you hit it at the same exit velocity, it would go less far than it had in years past. However, and I don't really understand why something with it being like bouncy the exit velocity is higher. So it kind of cancels out and makes it even more um, juiced, at least according to this article that was published on March 31st. Very convenient timing, like the day before opening day. Thank you, Ringer. Um, But it's a really cool article. I read it a couple (laughs) days ago. And do you think this matters at all? Or will it just like affect everyone the same way? Like what, what do you... I have no idea what to think, so I'm wondering what your thoughts on this are. I think the best way to say it is I don't think I'm smart enough to understand exactly what the impact is of all of this. But you summarized it right. I read the Ringer article uh, a little while ago, and I also think that, you know, Eno Saris said something about the way it was in spring training. Right. And he I think he analyzed it. I think it was uh the distance he tweeted out the distance on balls that are over a hundred miles per hour in exit velocity. And with a launch degree angle of 24 to 32 degrees, like a perfectly hit ball. And that in spring training, the distance was actually less. And you mentioned that, right? The distance, even though the exit velocities are higher, the distance is less that has held true so far in the regular season too. I ran that exact same thing. The average distance on those balls is 395 feet, way lower than it was to an, it was 406 feet the previous two years on those same things. Now, it's also freezing out, right? The ball doesn't travel as far. I have no idea what any of it means. To the extent I take it into account, it seems like, I guess, maybe it will cut down on home runs because it seems like the average distance, even with the exit velocity, is higher. So maybe a wall scraper, right? A guy who barely has enough power to kind of clear it. Maybe I discount the value, but for the most part, man, I don't know. I just kind of threw my hands up and said, we don't know anything that's going on. So I'm just going to play it straight as if I would play it any other year. And I kind of discounted the whole thing. And we don't really know what's going on, like what exactly is going on with the ball, because it is a big, pretty big sample size, but it's not as big as a full season. Like, because there have been a lot of uh, uh, balls in play, but it's still less than a full season. It's enough for like, a pretty uh like good sample size but it's not quite there and you said the weather like there were record uh record lows 
for opening day in quite a yeah. few ballparks. I'm a Cardinals fan in the Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty. Wait, but you're wearing a Philly shirt. I know. You're wearing a Philly it's, shirt. It's contradictory. Phillies, <laughs> they might be my number two, but they went 3-0, and oh, so okay. I've, I've got to represent them. Um, <laughs> okay. But the Cardinals are my favorite team, and that Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty thing, like they just didn't look right. Nolan Arenado, yeah. who like played in Colorado, had like his whole face covered. It, like it was really cold there. I didn't go, but I watched it on yeah. TV, and it was like obvious. So sure. maybe the weather has to do with this a little bit. Basically, what it comes down to for me is, I would say like maybe downgrade the like Colton Wong's, DJ Lemayhews, Ketel Marte. But like Ketel Marte has been awesome, right? Like it's right. just impossible to predict really. So I'm not really sure what to do. Um, so I'm just kind of ranking them as if the ball were the same, like you. I just wanted to address that because it's a huge deal. I just have no clue what to do. I get questions about it all the time. And my answer is, and I think this just is generally my process. Now you do rankings for the, you you submit them to Fantasy Bros too, right? Because I've seen yeah. your name right on there. Great, yeah. So when I do it just like you, I kind of just throw up my hands at this point. I, I take into account what I can take into account. And this type of stuff, nobody really knows what it's going to be. Again, is it the cold weather? Is it the change in the ball? We have no idea. So for the most part, I get questions like this all the time. And I'm like, if you want to, the Colton Wongs is a great example of the world. Okay, you can just count them a tiny bit. But for the most part, I don't know, man. Let's just see how it goes. Let's play it straight and we'll go from there. Yeah, and it's really tough because like the, the ball has changed before and it does make a pretty obvious difference. Like let's use Ketel Marte again. A couple of years ago when he hit 30 home runs, he might be a decent power hitter, but he's not a 30 home run power hitter. So the ball, I it was partially luck, but I do think in that case, it was partially the ball. But we just, MLB yep. hasn't said any numbers or any like physics things about the ball. And we can't, we don't know what the ball is. There, there's studies, but it's nothing certain. So I'm just, as for strategy in fantasy baseball, I don't really know if there's anything you can do. I just wanted to hit on that a little bit. I will say that I did feel like I tried to, maybe not actively in my drafts or anything like that, I tried to get at least a couple of the guys who I knew if this were a thing wouldn't be that effective. The Joey Gallows of the world, the Giancarlo Stans, the Aaron Judges, people who like, okay, if this is a thing and you know, you're going to cut off five to six feet off the average distance of a perfectly hit ball, it won't really make a difference because those guys are clearing the wall by 20 feet. So I tried to kind of do that, but it's not like I bumped them up my board a significant amount, you know, more like team building. I was like, ah, that's just a, a way to hedge my bets. Or maybe so that's the only way I took it into account. Maybe it's a tiebreaker or something. Um, like if you really right. like two exactly. guys, maybe let's use Cattell Marte again, because I think he's kind of like the poster child of the juiced ball. Mm -hmm. um, so Cattell Marte versus like uh, John Carlos Danton's probably closest in my rankings. Uh, if, if John Carlos Danton didn't get injured all the time um, and they were pretty equal in like... Yeah everything else i i think that's a fair tiebreaker to say okay i'll just go Giancarlo. um 
But all right, let's move on to some of these bullpens because there is definitely a lot to talk about there. Um, I pretty much just went down the standings and was like, okay, do I have any idea what, who these teams' closers are? And if the answer was no, we will discuss that. Um, but like the Yankees, no need to say, oh, yeah, it's a Roldis Chapman, whatever. It, it, we know that. Right. But okay, so for a team like the Orioles, they've got. So they had Hunter Harvey. We all kind of thought it was him. We all kind of thought he was bad. Now he's on the 60-day IL. And Cesar Valdez has gotten two saves. But everyone also kind of likes Tanner Scott. So what do you think is going on in Baltimore? So I don't know. I think right now, if you have to choose one, it's got to be Valdez because you'll take the person getting the saves. And when the news of Hunter Harvey broke, I was in the middle of a draft Champions League on NFPC. So that's like a 50 round draft and hold. So there's no free agent pickups. And both those guys were available, Valdez and Scott. And I went with Valdez just because he got some saves last year. So he had a little bit of experience with it. He pitched very well last year. Does not have a phenomenal minor league or Mexican career, but it's not terrible it's like mid three zra 122 whip but he doesn't have the typical closer stuff everybody who is you know more in the know and talks to beat writer suggested it was gonna be scott but look valdez is the one who is currently getting the saves he has some experience from last year so to the extent they stick with one guy which again hyde never does but if he does i would go with valdez this is somebody who i i added valdez in a couple of leagues last night but I did not spend a ton of fab on him or anything like that. Also because it's the Orioles and they've already won three games and that's like, you know, 40% of the games are going to win all season. So <laughs> I would add Valdez, but I'm not that excited. about. I him. do think the Orioles are actually okay though. Like there are, do you, there are a couple teams that it's like the amount of wins this team will get truly does affect what I think of their closers. Maybe like the Diamondbacks. I do not like the Diamondbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're already you're going after Marte. Yeah, you're down I, on the D-backs. Sorry about year. that, but I don't know. It's <laughs> all right. I'm not a D-backs. Don't go after my Mets. All right. I will walk no, right Mets off are this great. podcast. Okay. Mets are great. And yeah, we know who go. their closer is. It's perfect. I, I love the Mets. Everything it's about perfect. them is great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the Orioles. How, how much fab did you spend on Valdez last night? Because I put in like a token bid of like 15 in my TGFBI league. I didn't get him, obviously, yeah. but I need I need saves. I just don't feel good about Valdez. I don't I kind of think Tanner Scott is still better. And the Orioles like straight up said, like Scott's still our guy. And we just use Valdez because yeah. Scott needed some time off. So like I don't no, have confidence. What time in off, man? The season just started. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I oh, just look, I he I agree with you though. Good. Okay. Um, I I just don't think Valdez is good, and I don't know if he'll get all of his team saves. Which I I'm not willing to spend much more than fifteen dollars on that. But some people were spending upwards of a hundred, and I'm not on board with that. So what were you spending? Yeah. I I'm with you for sure. I mean, I would do like a max, an absolute max of like five percent. 
if I if I had to go there. And that's basically where I was in most of my leagues. I think in the league I got him, I bid like one percent like you basically like I think it was six dollars out of a four hundred dollar budget. And the uh, the runner up was five. So, yeah, he nailed it. But that's that's basically it. Again, they're going to be we they're going to be 15 more openings throughout the season. Right. That's just how how the way fantasy baseball works. So I'd add Valdez. I would not spend anything remotely significant. I know some of those bids. I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the Blue Jays later, yes. man, in TGFBI were nuts, nuts. So we'll talk about that, but very minimal for Valdez. Uh, yeah. Merriweather guy crazy. Um, oh, my let, gosh. A team similar and not in team context, but in their bullpen, kind of similar to the Orioles is the Rays because we all kind of thought, eh, it's no one. Fairbanks will get some. Castillo will get some. Uh, some guy whose name sounds like my plumber will get some. Like, it, who knows? Um, <laughs> but Diego Castillo has gotten two saves so far. Do you care at all, or do you think it's just coincidence? I kind of care, if only because of the Anderson injury, right? If Anderson weren't injured, then I would just be like, I. I'd roster Anderson for the ratios and then I just kind of ignore everybody else. But after that, I mean, Castillo is the obvious guy, right? You had Fairbanks who didn't get a save at all during the season last year and then got all the postseason saves. And so everybody was like, whatever, but he's not really the guy. Castillo could be the guy and I'd want to add him, but in a similar way that I would Valdez, because I have no confidence that he is actually going to be the person. If I ran the Rays, I'd probably make him my ninth inning guy. But I don't really want to rely on a raise reliever if I don't have to. That said, again, a little more confident in it than I otherwise would be because there's no Nick Anderson now till at least, you know, the middle of the season. Yeah, at least I do think Diego Castillo is good. I, I don't I can't say right. the same thing about Cesar Valdez or really Tanner Scott, <laughs> but I do think yep. Diego Castillo is a really good pitcher. Um, yep. This is probably the most interesting one. Blue Jays. You, uh, you referenced it earlier. Yep. So speaking of TGFBI, so I waited on closer. I ended up getting like Will Smith, like Joaquin Soria and Amir Garrett. I think mm-hmm. those were my three, which was like, eh, whatever. It's fine. I waited on closer. That's what you get. But I drafted Jordan Romano in like the second to last round in first week. Mm-hmm. I was feeling really good about that. Picked up Rafael Dolis just in case for like a cheap bit of like $10. Sure. And then Julian Merriweather, like I've heard Jason Collette talk about him a little bit. I've heard his name. I like knew yeah. who he was, which was not the case with like Cesar Valdez. But um, Julian Merriweather is the guy now seems to be the general thinking. I don't really agree. I kind of think as right now it's a mix. Uh, Romano might get 50. Uh, Merriweather might get 50. But there were some pretty crazy bids on Merriweather. He seems to be a fan favorite of a lot of people in the industry, at least according to their fab bids of like four hundred dollars. Uh, Scott Pianowski in my TGFBI league, I think it was four seventeen. It was a lot. Uh, I don't. I I wouldn't wow. do that just because. Wow. Yeah. It was a lot, but what do you think of Merriweather? Like, I think he's good. I do think he has a shot for saves, which hasn't really been the case for either of the first two. So I do think he's like worth more than either Valdez or Castillo, but 
I don't think he's worth $400 in fat. Yeah, we see pretty much eye to eye on this one. He he would be the guy who I would add above the first two that we talked about for sure. And he has looked great in very limited work this year. He's got a pretty spotty minor league track record, at least with the control. And Romano was solid last year and by all accounts should have that job. Now, it's worth noting, obviously, that Romano got the heart of the order right the other day. One, two, three, and so yeah. this could be something where if it's the heart of the order, Romano will get it. And absent that, he's going to pitch the ninth. So I, look, I had a pretty hefty bid in TGFBI ready to go for Merriweather, like 230. And I backed it down to like 99 right before it went. And he went for something just under where I originally had a bid. So I would have gotten him. And I don't think I'd feel that great right now because I just don't feel that confident right now. And again, it's not just TGFBI, which is, you know, mostly analysts and everything like that, yeah. but it's like main events. It's, it's, it's these huge leagues that people buy in for, for almost $2,000 where he was going for in the mid two to three hundreds at times, just nuts to me. So choosing between the two, I would choose the guy who is currently getting saves and that's Merriweather. That's just sort of how I look at closers, but I have zero confidence that he is going to be the guy. And if, Romano gets every save chance from here on out. Wouldn't shock me whatsoever. So I agree with you. I think the bids are pretty nuts at this point. Yeah. And I do think like online draft championship, like those are good tools. The reason I reference TGFBI is because it's like the one I'm actually in and like involved with. So. Oh, yeah. I, I just meant that it, it it's it's unanimous throughout. Yeah, like it exactly, was TGFBI. Exactly. It was also these things. It was every single place where you had people with real skin in the game. They're going after Merriweather. Well, so maybe I, you and I are missing something. Maybe, but, but I think it, he's just like people saw something in him. Uh, like like for me, I liked Michael A. Taylor a little before the season. I almost considered yep. adding him to my uh, like top 400 rankings. Sadly, I didn't, but I liked him. And then he came out, was really mm -hmm. good. So I put up somewhat, like not, uh, I think it was like $50 or something, like a somewhat hefty bid on him, like medium-sized. Because uh, I liked him before yep. and he'd started performing. So I think that might be a similar thing with Merriweather because a lot of people did like him before the season and now he's actually performing. So they want to spend up and get their guy. Um, and I get that. I just don't think there's a huge difference between him and Romano. Um, Romano's done it for like 10 mm -hmm. more innings. So I trust that more. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I, I would spend, I think a hundred, like what you had was a decent sized bid, but like yeah, 200, maybe even if you just really like him, you really need saves, but like 300, 400 is really getting up there. But like in your home league, he's the number one pickup just, on like waiver rolling lists. Yes. Yeah. For sure. For sure. He's the number one guy and you get him. But again, there are going to be a thousand closer jobs that open up throughout the year. They just are. And we're even seeing it now. You and I are talking about however many we're going to talk about today. But there are a million right now. We're even now we don't even know who the guy is yet. So there'll be clarity at some point. So I wouldn't go nuts adding a guy who, frankly, we just don't really know necessarily if he's going to be the guy going forward. Yeah. And then the Red Sox, I think this one's a little simpler because um, they've only been in blowouts. So I'm inclined to say it's just Matt Barnes and that's that. Do you agree or do you think Adovino is going to be in the mix? Because 
yesterday they both pitched in what was not a save opportunity, but they hadn't pitched the whole weekend. Like you just need to get them out there at some point uh, when you get blown out by the Orioles in three straight games. Like you need you need your yeah. you need your relievers to pitch at some point. So that was yesterday for both of them, and I think it's just kind of the same as it was before the season. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Although we haven't had anybody come out and say that Barnes is the guy. I keep waiting for it, right? Nobody said one way or the other, but I do. If I had to roster one, it would be Barnes. And again, Adovino did give up a couple of runs, getting some work in uh, against the Orioles. But I think had there not been the whole COVID, but he doesn't actually have COVID situation with Barnes, he would have been named the guy. I don't know what Cora is waiting for necessarily now. But they're very similar pitchers, right? They can both strike people out. They both kind of struggle with the control. You never know what you're going to get. I would go with a guy with Barnes, like you said, because he's been there and he's done it before. So I would go with Barnes between the two. But I admit that I'm not 100% confident just because nobody said anything about it. But like you, uh, let me ask, why do you think it's Barnes? Because most people are just assuming that it is. And I am too, but I can't even pinpoint exactly why. I don't think Adam Adovino is that great. And... I mean, Barnes has gives up a lot of walks, but uh, yep. he, okay, this might not be a good thing, but last year I really liked Randon Workman, um, and I think Barnes is pretty comparable to that. So maybe okay. that's bad, but um, I, I like sure you'll give up some walks, but I think in the end, more often than not, it'll result in a save. Um, whereas. I don't yep. think the same is true for Adovino. So it really just comes down to that. Maybe the Red Sox agree, but that means that they uh, put uh, Barnes in their most high leverage situation. That's always possible, but I do think at the end of the year, however they play it, Barnes will have more saves than Adovino by a pretty decent amount. Uh, the next Good bullpen... Good for me. I mean, I, again... Go over- ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to move on. Get to your last word. Yeah, uh, move on. I don't want to talk about the Red Sox situation anymore. <laughs> okay, Please fair, keep going. Fair enough. This one's, uh, it depends on how you define fun, but uh, I think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland, yeah. they have two really good pitchers. Whitgren, who's done it for longer, but not as good, I think. Uh do you have any ideas? I am stuck. Uh, I on the like last day before fantasy pros rankings were due, I moved Karinchak behind Hector Neris, uh, right before mm. he was um, right when he was named the closer. So I I Karinchak started as like my RP four or something. I really like him. I just do not <laughs> feel confident in how. Cleveland plays their saves. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's funny because I also had Karen check way up there. Like the whole, you know, leading into the spring and I slowly kind of was like, well, he's walking everybody still and Cleveland doesn't seem enamored of him. And now there's all this Nick Whitgren chatter. I, look, if I, if I have to pick one, it's still going to be Karen check because I, I do think that, you know, Karen check has the, the best pure stuff in there. Whitgren is 30 years old. And, you know, when he already, he get, you know, in a game this year, he he didn't pitch well. I think that puts him a little behind. 
And, you know, Karen Jack has the swing and miss stuff that you really want from a closer. You know, I, I wouldn't discount Emmanuel Classe. I think that's how you say it. Um, because, again, he was suspended all last year, but he, you know, tops 100. You know, he, he's got the quote unquote closer stuff. So he's kind of a dark horse. But if I have to pick one, it's going to be Karen Jack. And I'm not all that happy about it. And kudos to you for putting him behind Neris because I didn't have the I didn't have the intestinal fortitude to do that, but that looks like a winner right now. Yeah, I felt bad about it because if Karinchak just if they just didn't feel like telling us anything or if they wanted to mislead other teams, it seems like something Cleveland might do. It just matches yeah. their vibe kinda. Um it if Karinchak ended up with the closers role, like he could be really, really good, I think. But they did not seem interested and Philly did, and I'm glad I made that move on the last day. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, Karinchak's a great pitcher. As for what's actually happening and not just the rankings, I, I don't see much of a difference between Class A and Karinchak. Um, sure, Class A didn't pitch last year, but I think they... So Karinchak might have better stuff just because Karinchak has some of the best stuff. But... His control's iffy, and I don't like that for my closers. So maybe Class A is. You said he's a dark horse. I think he's kind of just like a, a like known. I kind of like him to get some saves. Uh, there's not much you can really do. Maybe if you're in a league with trades, um, then you could trade for Class A, like buy low on him because not many people really care much about him but i think he's kind of good like if we were still drafting and we knew what we know now i would have class a ranked pretty high um do you i I guess you already said among the three if we were drafting right now huh what what was that who would be your choice if you were drafting right if you can you hear me yeah yeah you're good Sorry about that. Sorry. Who would be who would be your choice if you could only draft one right now? Uh, I mean, Karen Chak. I, I think he's the best, but okay. I would assume that Class A would go later and be a better value, probably. So, yep. I mean, that that's presuming uh, that he would go later. Maybe he wouldn't for some reason, or wouldn't go enough later. But if we like, given their ADPs. It would be Class A for me, even if uh, Karinchak's yep. ADP moved down a lot. It, I I like Class A, and he's kind of a sleeper to me. So I did say that we would talk about a lot of the teams that we just weren't really sure about. But frankly, I don't want to talk about Gregory Soto. That sounds boring, or like whoever the Royals <laughs> guy is. So let's just skip the rest of the AL Central. Uh, also the Rangers, like I, I don't care about that either. If the AL West is pretty empty, also, like either there's a known guy, or I don't care. Like mm-hmm. Trevor Rosenthal is going to be back eventually. I don't want any Rangers closers, and that's that. Let's go over to the NL now. Uh, NL East. This one's interesting. Uh, I think we have a pretty good sense. Snarich's just the Phillies guy. Yeah. I mean, look, we had the unexpected good fortune of having Girardi come out and tell us that it was him right before the season. And 
he's converted his opportunities so far. He's he's a good pitcher, and he was always deemed the closer of the future when he first came in. So the fact that my one worry with him is that two of the last three seasons, he's had a 457 and a 510 ERA. So you know there's the potential for things to go bad. But for the most part, he's a very solid pitcher. If his splitter is working, he's, you know, he's a great he's a great option back there. And again, you've got Archie Bradley. Uh, you've got Jose Alvarado, but you need good pitchers everywhere. So, yeah, for now, there are zero concerns right now about about Hector Neris. So I, w- I would put him in, you know, I, if I could redo my draft rankings, I'd have him ahead of uh, of James Karinczak for sure. And actually, I do update my rest of season rankings every single week because I do a trade chart. So he will be ahead of him in my RP rankings for sure going forward. One of the few reliable guys at this point. Yeah, it's really a rare commodity uh, that he is like. There aren't that many guys that we're sure about. A lot of a lot of the guys we're skipping uh talking about, there are a few sure things, but once you get past like twelve, could really be anybody. Like uh Brad Hand, I think, is my twelfth favorite reliever rest of season. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like Rafael Montero, stuff like that. I yeah. think I think uh Hector Neris belongs RP 13 and he's kind of like the bridge from Brad Hand to the much more questionable guys like Will Smith and uh, Rafael Montero. All right. That's the Phillies. Uh, The Nationals pretty solid. Mets pretty solid. Marlins, Anthony Bass was bad. Is it Yimi Garcia? Is it still Bass? Like, do you have, uh, any ideas on that one? It's weird as well. <laughs> I mean, I would have gone with Garcia to start, and that's where I originally had it ranked um, before every insider that you heard, and they were correct, said that it was going to be Bass, and it was, and he was terrible. Bass has been a successful closer in the past, but doesn't really have that typical closer's stuff. He doesn't strike a lot of guys out where Garcia does. I think Bass still gets the next save chance. I think Mattingly is not the type of rash manager, right, who pulls the plug on a guy after he's made a decision after one outing. So I would still roster Bass, but I would stash Yumi Garcia if I could, if I had the flexibility to do so. But for now, I still think it's Bass, but I'm, I'm not feeling all that confident about him going forward. I think he'll rebound. It, it For me, it was just one game in a really long career. and. I think Bass is just good. He's in an even better ballpark now. Like, I feel good about it. Um, he He's really never been a closer before. I think he has a 7, 13. He has 15 saves in his whole career. So not many, but I do think he's like a good reliever. Um, and it was just like one bad outing. So... Uh, it was a really bad outing. Well, here's the it... thing. Let let me ask you this. Ready? Suppose Bass comes out in his next outing and blows a three-run lead for the save and gets destroyed. How confident do you feel that Bass is going to get the save after that? Because that's how I try to look at these situations. I, I agree that Bass probably gets the next save situation. But where I feel how I feel about him is, okay, is he on the precipice right now? If he gets hit hard again, does he lose the job? That's where I kind of think that Bass might be. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, Yimmy Garcia, I do really like, and I agree that you should totally stash him. I, I think he's an even better pitcher, maybe not as well suited for the ninth as Bass, where Bass just gets ground balls, a couple strikeouts. Yimmy Garcia gets, it lets up a lot more homers. Uh, and that's concerning, but I mean, <laughs> Bass has let up one homer. I think Garcia has none. So, so far this season, um, ironically, Bass is the better home run prevention guy. So maybe I, I do agree that Bass's job isn't safe. And I think he, like, if, again, if we read or for rest of season rankings or whatever, I would move down Bass like a lot, but and I wouldn't move down Bass a lot, maybe a little, uh, but I would move Garcia up a lot instead, like, and just have two Marlins closers kind of high. Um, but that one's tough. I, I like both pitchers, like just as pitchers. Um, and it's just kind of guessing for me, but yeah, bat, Bass had a bad outing. If he has another one, then maybe Yimmy Garcia gets the entire role, which would be worth a lot. Cause I think, uh, it, so I don't care too much about teams, uh, when it comes to closers, but if like like as a tiebreaker type of thing, I want a team that is good but not like great. So maybe a team like the Padres, like sure they'll get quite a few save opportunities, but I think maybe the Marlins or like Reds or Cardinals might be even better because I think they're good. I think they're gonna win definitely seventy plus games, probably closer to eighty or ninety, uh, depending on the team. But they're going to be close most of the time. So I do like whoever the Marlins closer is I'm in on. I just right now, I think it's still best, but I do think it could easily be Garcia as well. Yeah. I mean, that really is the thing is that I would, I think, you know, it's a great situation for a closer not quite as great because of the injuries to Sixto Sanchez and uh, Eliezer Hernandez, because the good thing about them is they have very solid pitching, not a great offense, which means they're probably going to play in a lot of tight games. Good situation for a closer. But yeah, until we know who the guy is. But again, Bass right now is a guy. I still roster him in a couple of leagues. I didn't drop him or anything like that. I do think he gets the next save chance. And if he turns it out and he you know does a couple in a row, then I'll feel much more confident. But for now, you know, Garcia has the swing and miss stuff. He has a history with Mattingly going back to the Dodgers. I think Mattingly would feel totally comfortable putting him in there if it comes to that. Either way, just give us one guy, right? Let's just have one guy, whoever it is, and let's know who it is. And that I do think that we'll have. So I think it's Bass for now. And if Bass loses the job, I think it'll be Garcia. And that's it. And we can at least go for there. And like you said, it's a pretty attractive situation for a closer. Tony Larusa took that one guy wish a little too seriously, though. Like, he, yeah, that last night was not not a great decision. Um, saving Liam Hendricks for the save opportunity. Yeah, I do appreciate it as a fantasy player, though. But as, uh, as a fan of this White Sox team, I did not like it. Anyways, the Braves, uh, especially now with Chris Martin out, it's just Will Smith, right? Yeah. 
I, it doesn't sound like Martin's injury is too serious. I saw something just, you know, a little while ago that said it was numbness in his fingers and he doesn't think he'll go on the IL stint. But I think even with Martin, I think it's Smith's job. I mean, Smith was a was great closer, closer at one point. Yeah, exactly. I think he's got the chops. I think they know it. I think they want him to be the guy. And the big thing for them is, right, it's like Smith's a lefty. Oh, no, we can't put a lefty as the closer. But they have other lefties, right? They have uh, Minter and, and Matzik. So they, they have other guys that they can put in there. So I do think it's Smith. I think the Martin injury only helps this cause. True. Uh, TGFBI, I really panicked with closers, and I took Will Smith way too early. And then all of the pre uh, spring training, I did not feel good about that pick, and I completely <laughs> regretted it. And now I feel good about it all of a sudden because he's my yeah last standing closer. So let's hope that works out. <laughs> um, the Reds, not so I followed those three games with the Cardinals pretty closely, and for both the Reds and the Cardinals. I neither of none of the three games helped me other than like it's not Sean Doolittle but I I don't think anyone really thought that um from an outsider perspective do you have any ideas on what the Reds or Cardinals are up to because I'm confused especially with the uh Cardinals because the Reds (laughs) just didn't really play Sims or Garrett and I think those are the two guys that could be closers. But the Cardinals, they threw Gallegos in. They threw Reyes in. Never in save opportunities. Is it Hicks? And we're just like overlooking it because I think he's, uh, he has the best, like he's the best closer. He might not be the best reliever in that bullpen, but he, he screams closer. Um, I don't know what's going on because everyone still seems to think it's Reyes, but I think it's Hicks. So I think that they want it to be Hicks without question, right? They want him to get back there. But, I, you know, it's hard for these guys who return from TJ. And I, I know that he, you know, had the extra year because of last year, but takes a while for them to get the control. And, you know, the manager came out and said early on, Reyes is going to kind of factor in there right now. I think long-term it'll be Hicks. I think he winds up assuming that he's healthy with the most saves in the Cardinals pen. But if I have to be like, all right, I've got a two week window and I need saves for the next two weeks, I would go with Reyes for now. And there is the possibility that he's dominant and he runs with it. So you know, if I if I were betting, I would bet that Hicks winds up with the most saves on the Cardinals. But if I needed someone immediately, it would probably be Reyes. As for the Reds, look, I don't know. I, all I know is I have so many shares of Amir Garrett that it's like burning a hole in every one of my rosters because I really just thought Garrett was going to be the guy in part because Sims was dealing with an injury in the spring, right? So I kind of was like, all right, that'll put him behind the eight ball. They also have the other lefty in Doolittle, who isn't very good anymore, but still, they do have that. When push comes to shove, I do think that Garrett will still be the guy there. He, There's anybody who ever basically came out and was like, this is my job. You can pry it from my cold, dead fingers. It's him, it right? And that's Garrett, kind of yeah. what you want in a closer, too. He's, an, he's a maniac. I can't believe he didn't punch somebody in that brawl that they had the other day. So he's a maniac. I think that actually bodes well for him to at least get a, he had a dominant spring when he finally came in. So I look, if there's one guy in Cincinnati, for me, it's definitely Amir Garrett for right now. And we'll see if they ever get a save opportunity. And for those of you who 
don't really know anything about Amir Garrett, which is very reasonable. Like he's a random reliever on the Cincinnati Reds. When you say he's a maniac, I think he's a like fun maniac. He he, like, he goes on live streams with Lucas Sims and like taunts him (laughs) saying like, I'm the closer. It's great. I really like him. (laughs) And like as a guy, uh, I'm not, I do think he uh, is more likely the closer, but I, I love Amir Garrett. One of, my favorite players to like, he he's a good Twitter follow. I I like him a lot. Yes, I mean he's take he takes on an entire team in a bench clearing brawl. Like that's the type of guy he is. He's just he's he's yeah. I to be clear, maniac in the awesome way. Like yeah. I, I love Amir Garrett. I I want that guy as my closer. I would trust him because I think he just got the mentality that he has fun and and wants the challenge. So I, I'd love for that guy to be in the ninth inning for yep. for my favorite team. I agree there. Um, Pirates, they're not going to get too many wins, but is it Richard Rodriguez or do you think like Richard Rodriguez will get traded? Like, what do you think's happening in Pittsburgh? Both of those things. I think, I think it's Richard Rodriguez and I think Richard Rodriguez will get traded. So I wouldn't be surprised eventually to see David Bednar or, or maybe Kyle Crick, who they've been waiting on forever. But for right now, to the extent you're chasing saves in Pittsburgh, we're talking about Baltimore, right? So Pittsburgh, whatever, go chase your saves. I would be Rodriguez for now, but I absolutely expect him to get dealt by midseason. Yep. Padres, it's Melanson, right? It pretty easy. Yeah. Like everything in the uh, preseason said not Melanson. And then all of a sudden it is Melanson with two saves. I think they just tried to fool us. I don't really know why, but... Yeah, I, I think it's Melanson pretty pretty obviously. Um next up, and I yeah. think this last one, also the most painful one in my opinion, the Diamondbacks. I do not know. I, Joaquin Soria <laughs> kinda sucks. I thought it was him for some reason. I don't know why I thought it was him. Um I did too. I did too. Stefan Crichton would be my next guest, but it's pretty obviously not him either. I do not know what's going on there. So Davinsky, Davinsky, I mean, look, Soria came in and pitched the eighth yesterday and then got hurt. So he he hurt his calf, I think it was. So he'll probably go in the IL. Davinsky got the save. He did give up a monstrous homer to Fernando Tatis Jr., which, I mean, no shame for doing that, right? Like, I mean, join the club there. But I kind of like the dark horse of Kevin Ginkle. I, I I think he might be the guy. He relieved Soria, got a strikeout. I like his stuff a lot. So I don't want to bet on that bullpen, but I don't want to bet on like half the bullpens in the majors. But so if I had to go somewhere, I guess Davinsky because he got the save, but I would stash Ginkle long-term because I do think he might be able to steal that job going forward. And maybe Soria comes back, or maybe it's not a big deal, and it's just Soria's job. Um, but the Diamondbacks, Who knows, man? Who knows? I think the Diamondbacks are my number one stay away from team because it could be like one of five guys. For the Orioles, I think it's one of two. For the uh, for Cleveland, I think it's one of two, and I think they're both really good. Um, maybe the Tigers are worse. Yeah, the Tigers are probably worse, but I I don't yeah. want. I don't really want any part of the uh, Diamondbacks bullpen. And ironically, uh, Joaquin Soria is the only guy I drafted in all of my leagues. So that's really nice. Um, That wraps up all of the bullpens. 
Let's talk about some I, of these. Hi- uh, go ahead before we move on. No, I I was just laughing. I was just laughing, oh, and I, I did the same in a lot of leagues. So yeah, don't worry about it. That that was a mistake. Uh, I had Soria everywhere, like literally everywhere. That was, that was not a good call. Um, let's talk about some of these hot hitters. Uh, your main Mercedes, of course. He's got to be the number one hot hitter. Um, mm-hmm. His minor league stats are pretty good. I was at. I was uh, talking with someone the other day and he got a, he got like his eighth hit and set that record for the first time since 1900. And yep. I was like, like, he got, he went three for three. I looked at the box score. I was like, huh, I've never heard of this guy. Then he went like five for five. And I was like, who is your main Mercedes? Cause like when you click on his uh, name, it says he's a catcher, but he plays DH. I was very confused. Uh, I looked up his minor league stats He's actually pretty, like, he's been solid. Uh, a big thing with him is yeah. that he never really had a position. Now he's just the White Sox DH. Um, in a lot of leagues, he's DH only, but some leagues he has catcher eligibility. That's very intriguing if he does have catcher eligibility. Um, but do you think he's actually good? Like, obviously, he's not going to bat 700. No way. But do you think he's, like, a solid... Maybe two, two eighty five ish bat with a decent amount of power. I'm in the exact same boat that you are. Like I had no idea who your mean Mercedes was whatsoever. No idea. And then I looked at his minor league track record, and I was like, "What the heck?" I mean, he's a career three hundred two hitter with an eight fifty seven OPS in the minors. That's good. That's really good. You mentioned it. It's really probably just about the fact that he never had a position because he's built kind of like a bowling ball, right? Like Alejandro Kirk. That's what it is. But he can hit and there is kind of room, I guess, considering Eloy Jimenez is out for most of the season. I mean, DH can get rid of Collins pretty easily if he continues to hit. And I think, yeah, I mean, it seems like given his minor league track record, he's probably got enough to be a decent average hitter. I think you said 280. He can probably do that. There's not a ton of power. But it's enough to be intriguing. Again, you mentioned it. If he's catcher eligible, because he has played catcher, of course, in the minors, then, oh, yeah, for sure. I love him as a catcher. As somebody who might be utility only, it's a little difficult to justify. But I do think in terms of can he be a decent average hitter and contribute? Yeah, I think he can. A big part of my uh, draft strategy was be sure to get a DH everywhere. Uh, So, unfortunately, I have DHs everywhere. uh, not so unfortunately because it's usually Jordan Alvarez or Nelson Cruz and they are both very good so far. So yeah. not too upset about it, but uh, I'm not able to use your mean Mercedes, but I do think he's interesting. Uh, obviously he's not going to go at this pace for the rest of the season. No one ever does that, but I think he's uh, good um, and that, He's worth a pickup in basically every league. And yeah, I think he might, he has an argument to be like top 10 catcher for sure. Like, sure. Uh, I'd, I'm looking at my catcher rankings. I'd rather have him over Sean Murphy, Wilson Ramos, Mitch Garver, etc. Uh, and yeah, he's a interesting case. Eric Hosmer, what is going on? He, uh, is off to one of the best starts of any season in his career. He has the lowest launch angle in any season of his career. 
Like, is this just a hot stretch? Did he do something? Like, I do not understand what's going on with him. I mean, I don't think he did anything to uh, have a 96 and a half mile per hour average exit velocity or a 62 and a half percent hard hit rate. I think if he did, kudos to that guy because that's amazing. Um, At the same time, you mentioned it. His launch angle is negative, negative four and a half degrees. Uh, hey, you know, I checked yesterday going... and it was 2.2. Like oh, negative I thought 2. you'd 2. check 2. it. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd my run, maybe went down. Yeah, no, I thought he had 4. negative. Uh, yeah, man, no, it just so keeps bad. going down. And he's he's got a 62 and a half percent ground ball rate. So it's really hard, right? We What we liked about last year was the fact that he talked about making a conscious effort to lift the ball. He did it in the spring. And he did it during the season. That's great. So you're like, great, let's see it again. But instead, you're seeing the opposite. And you didn't really see it in the spring either. You're seeing the opposite. But he's just mashing the ball every time he touches it. It's just not getting in the air. So I, I'm in wait and see mode, I guess, with this, right? Because it it, it looked like he's never going to be able to, to hit the ball as hard as he's doing right now. You're just not going to be able to do it. And at the same time, even a guy like Hosmer is not going to hit the ball into the ground on every single at bat. So for now, I'm just waiting and see. But I don't think this is a tangible change. I think this is just a three or four game sample that we have to figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. If the launch angle was like closer to like 12 or something, then I would so sure. be intrigued. Like he yep. would skyrocket yep. up my first base rankings. But there's just nothing yep. there. And it just it just seems like good luck right now. Um, yep. next up, Michael A. Taylor. I talked about him a little bit. Do you have any interest in him? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I, I really do, actually. And I'm a little annoyed that I didn't see it coming as much in the spring because there was talk about how he looked in the spring and a little bit of a change in the swing. And you mentioned it. He's off to a great start. The great thing is he's, just, he's not striking out at all, which has been a big problem for him. I think he's got one so far in the season. So that's great. And again, Guys with 2020 potential just don't grow on trees at this point. And steals are really scarce. So a guy like him, I think he's an immediate ad in every single league because I think that there is potential to see what he can do. And again, he's on a team that's that's not going to be pushing him out of the lineup or anything like that. They're going to let him play, which Washington never did. So absolutely very intrigued. I would add him everywhere. Yeah. And I don't recall what the change was. Maybe he changed his swing or something. But in the past, he, he's had, in four straight years, he had 16, 14, 17, 24 stolen bases. Like, he's been very useful. Um, his average was low, so hopefully he can uh, keep that a little higher. But he's good at, he, he like had some really crazy defensive plays. He's going to play every day. Uh, he's batting number yep. six, uh, at least today. I think he did yesterday and the day before as well. So, yeah, batting high in what I think is a pretty good lineup. Uh, good bet for steals, hopefully. That's the point. And, that, yeah. So that's a couple the point. The runs. lineup is sneaky good. Sneaky good, the lineup. So it's like the counting stats should be there if he hits. So this is a good situation for a guy like Taylor and He's definitely one of the prime pickups that fantasy managers in really in any need of offense in any capacity should take a really close look at. So, yeah, we're both buying. I love it. Yeah. And uh, in TGFBI, I just kind of threw down like a $50 bid. Uh, That's a little higher than like what I usually go for because 
I don't really care for spending fab early in the year like this. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I needed offense. I have like, it was him, Victor Reyes, or like Alex Dickerson. So I was like, he's playing every day. He's hot right now. I'll, yeah. I'll try it. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. Michael A. Taylor. Um, and I'm definitely interested to see if he can keep it up. Next up, and the last name we will talk about today is Kyle Isbell. Um, kind of like Michael A. Taylor, I debated adding him to my top 400 rankings. I ended up not doing that, uh, which I'm kind of upset with now because I was listening to the Roto-Wire podcast and they were talking about him rising up the prospect ranking. So I was going to, I was like, yeah, should I put him like 400 overall? I did not. And he's, he's striking out a lot, which I hate for him, but he might get some steals and he's right. He's been hitting so far. Uh, Do you see him keeping it up or do you think this just kind of best case scenario for him? I think you nailed it with the strikeouts. That's what really gives me pause, right? Five and 13 plate appearances. That's rough. He's got to cut that down because he does have enough pop and certainly enough speed to matter. It's just his playing time is pretty precarious at this point. So if he can't cut down on the strikeouts, he's just not going to have a regular role in that lineup. If he does, though, if he just learns to cut back a little bit, yeah, I think the production would be there because he is fast enough to swipe plenty of bases and he has enough pop. I mean, you look at his minor league track record, it's like it doesn't stand out to you. But when you look at his seasons, like he was playing 80 games a season and you hit nine home runs, something like that, like that's enough to matter in the majors. So I do like him. I think everybody, you know, again, another speculative ad. Let's see where it goes. But I am very concerned about the strikeout. So I'd probably bet against him really making an impact because of that. But if you can't get it back, I think he could do a lot of damage. He has a 625 BABIP. I mean, I don't I don't love BABIP, but it's a good <laughs> stat to use to sure. show if people are getting lucky. And he definitely is. Um, I'd much rather have Michael A. Taylor. Like, I'm oh. interested in Isbell because I do think he has more speed. He's younger, of course, so it's less proven. But I think Michael A. Taylor is the better bat. Um... One more guy I actually forgot about that I do want to ask you about is Cedric Mullins. Uh, he got a quite a bit of hype in the offseason, and he's definitely performed so far. Uh, speaking of BABIP, 750 BABIP, that's pretty solid. Um, so I don't buy the 692 average, but I don't really need to tell you that. Do you like what he's doing? He seems pretty planted as the Orioles' leadoff hitter, so that's exciting at least. Uh He's not striking out too much. He's walking a good bit. He has the same amount of walks and strikeouts. That's good. Um, and he'll swipe a few bags. Do you think he's um, anything to get excited about, or is he more or less the same as Isbell without the prospect pedigree? I like Mullins a little more because I think that Mullins' spot in the lineup is a little more guaranteed. Because again, they, you know, it came out, uh, I forgot who, I think it's Mike Curland. I was talking about it with Justin Mason in the, in the spring, but he kept spring training, you know, lineup statistics and oh, yeah, you yeah. saw him batting leadoff every time, right? Batting leadoff for any team, 
makes a huge difference. And Mullins is not a, a terrible player whatsoever. I mean, I agree with you. The 692 batting average may come down tiny bit, tiny <laughs> bit. But I do think that in the end, he's a guy who's going to put up a little bit of pop, enough speed to kind of make an impact in it. And if he can hold that, you know, uh, lineup spot, then he's going to, you know, be probably in the high 80s, maybe low 90s runs. Because the thing with the Orioles is it's really about their pitching. Their lineup is not terrible. You know, when you go, you know, up and down the lineup with Trey Mancini back healthy, I like Ryan Mountcastle. Santander is is pretty solid. So really, they'll be able to knock him in. So I would like him more. It's less upside, you know, but I, I do think that there's a higher floor for him. So he's a good guy to add and a guy that I, I haven't seen too many people talk about despite the inflated batting average. Yeah, I, I like him. Um, I would rather have Michael A. Taylor, I think, but that leadoff yes. position, yes. I do think that um, Austin Hayes, I hope, because I like Austin Hayes, I hope he takes the uh, leadoff role. But right now the Orioles seem pretty set on um, – Cedric Mullins and now Hayes is injured too. So I think Mullins, as long as he keeps hitting, will be the leadoff hitter for the Orioles, who I do think at least their top four or five is pretty solid. Yeah, Mancini, Mountcastle. It's good. Um I like the yeah. I, I like the O's this year. Um that's all I've got. Do you have any standouts that you want to talk about, or is that pretty much everyone? I mean, look, there. I, I try not to go too crazy right early on. There are a couple of things that have caught my eye, like Gavin Lux, I know was on a lot of people's radar, but I really like that he started. Like, this is the type of thing I think you can gain from spring, right? Like, you met Mullins, right? Mullins is a guy who's leading off every day for the Orioles. That's valuable. A guy like Gavin Lux, who has been in the lineup every single day, including at shortstop, right? That's the type of thing, beyond the production, he's producing fine, that's the type of thing that I like to look at. And Jazz Chisholm, who's stolen two bases, he's got a lot of style. I, I like what I'm seeing from him. So if he can sort of get to, you know, a ton of speed going there, he can make a difference in that category. And anybody who can steal a base at this point is huge. So there are a couple of minor things I'm looking at, but you mentioned it at the top of the show. It's three, maybe four games at this point. It's really, really difficult. I was joking uh, you know, we play if you play in the NFBC or TGFBI, for example, uh, you know, in one of, you know, I'm in the, the draft champions and I have Nelson Cruz who didn't play all weekend because it was in the National League. So he's not going to play unless DH and he hit two home runs today. And I think I went up like three thirty five hundred spots in the overall standings based on his two home runs and six RBIs today. So it things like that change. So I try not to read too much into it, but things like Mullins in the lineup spot and Lux playing every day, and Chisholm swiping bases early on. Things like that catch my attention. I agree. Um, and bullpens as well. That was the main topic. Like, yep. We don't know if Anthony Bass is just bad. We don't know if Cesar Valdez has a career resurgence as a reliever. We don't know that, but we have a better gist of situation and who has what roles. Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, before we head out, do you want to Tell the people where to find you. Uh, again, given your backdrop, I think it's pretty obvious. But uh, for the listeners, do you want to tell people where they can find all your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, all my work is over at fansbros.com. You Easiest way probably to get there is to go on my Twitter profile at Dan Harris 80 and I have a link to my page 
where all my work can be found. And I, we host a daily fantasy baseball podcast on, um, you know, where you can just, you know, search for the fantasy baseball, fantasy pros, fantasy baseball podcast. And I'm not, I'm no longer my, my time as the full-time host of the fantasy pros football podcast is now thankfully over after I filled in the season, but I will be on there as well. So you can find all of my work really over at fantasy pros. Okay, cool. Uh, as always, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at FOV underscore sports. I'll talk to you next time. Until then, Eisen out.